0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I'm Dylan Kelly, I'm the founder of Waybreak, and we help Shopify stores stop leaking revenue with done for you email marketing. Every week on this show, I interview the people behind the top Shopify stores and I get them to share their secrets. And If you're enjoying the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or you can sign up for our podcast email list, uh, which is in the show notes below. Alternatively, you can go to wavebreakpodcast.com. All the links, all the show notes are there if you want to learn more about the episode or you want to subscribe to the show. Now, this episode is brought to you by Wavebreak, my e-commerce email marketing agency that works exclusively with Shopify and Shopify Plus stores. If your email marketing isn't on point, then you are leaving money on the table. Tens of thousands of dollars every single month. I recently worked with a client. We went from $0 to $100,000 in email revenue in less than 60 days. That's how much revenue was being left on the table. And if you don't do anything... (laughs) <laughs> you're going to miss out on all that revenue. And this is something that you want to fix as soon as possible before Black Friday hits. And we're running out of time. Maybe you maybe you don't have time to do your own email marketing, or you don't know what to do. It's too complex. You don't understand segmentation and mobile-friendly design and subject lines and A-B testing and all this. There's a lot, there's a lot to do. Trust me. I'm going crazy because of it. No, just kidding. I'm not going crazy. But I'm crazy about email, but anyway, if your email marketing is not on point, if that's you, here's what to do next. Pause this episode and go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me, and we can chat about how you can stop leaving money on the table with done-for-you email marketing. Schedule a call, and we'll just talk. That's wavebreak.co. Okay, cool. You did it? (laughs) Awesome. So let's get into the episode. Today, I'm talking with Nate Hirsch from FreeUp. And I'm super excited about this episode because running a Shopify store is a ton of work. I work side by side with store owners, all day long. I manage their email marketing. They do everything else. It's so much work. One of the biggest things they tell me is like, it's such a relief to have somebody I can trust managing my email marketing. And I'm not just saying that to to my own horn. I'm just saying that because I know how hard it is to find good people and how hard it is to free up your time because you already have so many other things to do between customer service emails, Facebook ads, Google ads, um, And posting on Instagram, there's so many things to do. There's never-ending to-do lists. And you listen to podcasts like this, and before you know it, you have a to-do list that's as long as, well, it's long enough to never get done and you but at the same time you want to spend more time with your family you want to do the things you love Uh, maybe you love playing golf you want to go play golf or tennis or you want to take a heck maybe you want to take a vacation when's the last time you took a vacation but the problem is that if you don't get these things done that you have to get done if you don't reply to customer service emails if you don't manage your facebook ads if you don't send emails your business doesn't grow and so that's why i'm super excited to chat with nate today because he's an expert in two things number one hiring and number two, building e-commerce businesses. He's done both and he's, he's actually, we're going to touch on this in a bit in the episode. He built his own company to a $10 million, run rate. Uh, He's his own $10 million case study based on his hiring and delegating practices. And he shares it all in this episode. Specifically, some cool things that he shares is number one, things that you should delegate as soon as possible to grow your store, things that are holding you back and you don't even know it. Next thing are three things that you need to look for in your next hire. And it's not just experience. It can be tempting to see somebody with a lot of experience and think they're the best fit but that might be wrong. And stay tuned to learn how to what you actually need to be looking for. And the third thing that I thought was really cool that they shared is how to make sure you don't hire someone bad and how to recover if you make the mistake. And those are just three quick things that we touched on in this episode. It's an awesome episode. I'm so excited to get into it with you. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Nate.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So just, um, yeah, it's great to have you. I'm really excited to talk about this, dive in this topic. Let's start with your background. Like what's your story and, and why did you start Free Up? So
1: going back, way back, my parents were both teachers and growing up, I always had that mentality that I was going to go to college, get a real job, work for 40 years, retire. And when I was younger, my parents always had me do these 40 hour a week, 50 hour a week summer jobs. And I hated every second of it. I was looking at the clock. I did learn a ton. But when I got to college, I realized that I had to figure out a way to start a business. Or the second I graduated, I was going to be stuck in the corporate world for 40 years and be miserable. So when I got to college, I started hustling and trying every little thing to make money. I started off buying and selling books, competing with the school bookstore. I created a little referral program, spread the word throughout campus. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to buy my or sell me their textbooks. Um, That was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And I actually got a cease and desist letter from the college to knock it off because I was taking up too much of their business. (laughs) No way. Yeah. So books led me to Amazon because you don't sell books very long without learning about Amazon. And this was 2008, 2009. So there were no courses. There were no gurus. No one really knew what Amazon was going to become. And I just became addicted to it, obsessed. I love the fact that I had this 24-7 virtual store and I just had to find what products to sell. So for six months, I just experimented outdoor products, um, sporting equipment, DVDs, you name it. And I just failed over and over. I couldn't get anything to sell consistently besides these books. So I'm getting frustrated, and one day I came across this deal for a baby product, and I listed on Amazon and I sold 20 of them, and I, I actually came up with the concept of drop shipping years before I even knew it was called drop shipping, which I know is very popular in Shopify. So we were, I was drop shipping baby products, and I built relationships with these manufacturers. And it just took off. I mean, I was running a multi-million dollar baby product business out of my college dorm room. People thought I was crazy. I had baby products open on tons of tabs on my computers at all times. (laughs) And I I had to start hiring people, right? Because it was crazy. It was e-commerce. It was drop shipping. So there's so much manual work from filling orders to changing prices to emails, everything that goes with it. So I started hiring people. And one of my first hires was my business partner, Connor. We clicked right away. We've been working together on both businesses for years. So I'm thinking hiring's easy. Well, I proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire. And, and it becomes very frustrating. I quickly realize that or I, it takes me a while to realize that college kids were not reliable. And I couldn't get some 30-year-old marketing expert to come work for me. I was 21. I had no idea what I was doing. So I really had to turn to the remote hiring world to get access to this talent, and I built up these VA armies—I called them—of people that could help me do all parts of my business. And that's when I realized that all my time was just getting sucked into the interview and going through applicant after applicant after applicant. And I just wanted a better, faster way. And when I couldn't find it, that's when I had the idea to build my own platform free up.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. What you said in the beginning, I I can relate. Like you're um, just like working the forty-hour-week job, like. Uh in school I was I was ice cream scooper um so I worked at an ice cream shop I was scooping ice cream and I just remember like washing dishes and I just was like man I want to be the guy buying the ice cream I want to sit at my computer desk all day um what can I do <laughs> no but um no but seriously like I I love that too, because it's like you scratch your own itch, you solve your own problem. It's something you experience directly. And I'm sure a lot of people experience this too, especially as their business grows. Um, You don't have enough time to do everything. You can finally afford to delegate it. And you think like, oh, problem solved. I can finally hire somebody. But then hiring is is just as big of a problem as it is um, doing the work, finding time to do the work.
1: Yeah, they don't teach you how to hire in school, right? But they prepare people for interviews (laughs) and they prepare people a lot. So it makes it very tough as an entrepreneur to figure out who's good, who's bad, who you can count on, who who you should invest your own time, money and energy into. Because when you think about it, hiring really is that investment. And it's one of those investments that, yeah, sometimes you can get the money back, but you're never going to get your time back. If you are hiring people and it takes you a month to figure out whether they're good or bad, that can backfire on you pretty quick. So the more that you can focus on your hiring process early on in your entrepreneurial career, the better outcome you're going to have.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I like that you said is you keep talking about hiring as an investment. And I think a lot of like a big mistake people make early on when they're first starting to bring on a team is that they see it as an expense. And it's like, oh, hiring is this expense or like marketplaces there are for like job postings and stuff like you pay more to get better applicants, that sort of thing. It's like they see it as like, oh, that's extra hundred bucks. It's an expense. But really, like you were saying, like hiring is an investment. And if you invest in hiring the wrong person, you're going to lose a lot more money than if you invest in hiring the right person, which will free up your time and end up making more money in the long run.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had a client uh, a while ago that she she put in for a freelancer. We, we sent her someone. The freelancer did the work. It was their, his first time doing it. It took him an extra few hours and she was really upset. She, she was pissed off over 50, 80 bucks. I refunded her. No problem. We're not here to piss anyone off. But to this day, she's still stuck doing the same operations that she was doing six months ago because she wasn't looking at it as an investment that she was going to get her time back later, even though it cost her a little bit of money up front. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are just in that wrong mentality.
0: Totally. And so let's say, okay, so I'm a Shopify store owner, for example, and let's jump back a little. Like, What are some of the things that I might be experiencing to know that hiring or delegating is something that should be on my radar right now?
1: Yeah. So there's two there's two ways to go about hiring. The first way is all about getting hours in your day back. You're going to hire people that you can plug into your systems, your processes that you've created so that you don't have to do them anymore and that you as a business owner can focus on high level activities, the sales, the marketing, the expansion. And my business partner and I have a three month rule. We don't do anything longer than three months without taking it off our plate unless it has to do with expansion. So it usually takes that long the first month you're kind of figuring it out you're trying a new thing second month you're coming up with the systems and processes you you might be figuring out the, the issues and by month three you're putting someone in place and by the end of the month they're good to go and sometimes it's less sometimes it's more but three months is really what we shoot for now the flip side of that is turning weaknesses into strengths so one of the best activities connor and i did back in the day was we sat outside in our balcony and for two hours, we just went back and forth. You're bad at this. <laughs> and we just told each other brutally, honestly, what we were not good at. So he said, Nate, you're a terrible writer. I said, Connor, you can't think short term. You can't focus on day to day activities. Boom. So at the end of this, we realized we complemented each other very well, which was great. We were great business partners. But we also had this list of weaknesses that we were both doing on a week-to-week basis. So what we did was we started hiring specialists and experts to turn those weaknesses into strengths. And I think a lot of people, they, they kind of bunch hiring together into this big thing they have to figure out to get what they want. When really, it, it, you're either taking stuff off your plate to get your hours back or you're turning weaknesses into strengths.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I like how you broke it down and like, okay, these are the two reasons you hire. And one thing I also liked was your three-month rule for delegating. That's so cool. Thanks. That's great. Okay. So now that I know like, okay, here's, these are some things that I should be experiencing or, okay, so I either want to buy my time back or I want to improve one of my weaknesses. Like what's possible with delegating? Like how is this going to improve my store, improve my life and and things like that?
1: Yeah. So, In terms of getting hours in your day back, I mean, what would you do with an extra five hours in a week, an extra 10 hours in a week? Um, What you gotta focus on is, hey, what's not actually growing the business? It could be fulfilling orders. It could be responding to customer service emails. It could be certain interactions with manufacturers or or updating the website. I mean, do you really wanna make every little small change on your website for the rest of your life? Hiring these people that can come in and, and just follow the system every day. And yes, you can check in with them. You can make changes over time. But it's incredibly important. I have someone who monitors my emails from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So when I wake up, instead of spending the first hour of every day going through all my emails, they, they say, hey, Nate, here are two emails we left for you. I respond to those and, and I get started working on the business and growing it. So that's just one example of how you can really focus on getting a head start to every day and getting your hours back.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I want to talk about that more for a little because I find that really interesting. Like um, Chad Rubin from um scubana he he was on the show a few weeks ago and we were talking i forget if it was on the show or after the show or whatever but we were talking about email and um like emails this huge time suck. so i, I t- can you tell me a little bit more about like okay what that three to six like first of all how did you think of that and second of all like what what is what is the impact been of it
1: yeah and chad's a good client of free up um we go back a little bit um yeah i mean I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I get more hours? Because that's just the one thing that every entrepreneur struggles with. I, I, I don't know about you, but I get to Friday every week and and my Trello is still full of stuff. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm done. There's nothing else that needs to be done for free up there. There's always more work. So anything that I can do to get extra hours every week, I'm trying to do it. And I'm always brainstorming new ways. Now with the emails, pretty much what I did was I divided up, hey, here are the most common types of emails that I get. Let's say it's emails from potential clients, emails from freelancers, emails from partners. And then I divided up by, hey, here are the most common questions. Here are the most common emails that I get, the the most common situations, and here are, are the basic responses to them. And so I started off just with those and I taught them how to do it. So just right there, that's 60% of my inbox. But I didn't want to just give people my inbox right away. So first I had them watch me do it. And every morning I I would do it with them. And then they would create drafts. And then I would edit the draft before it came out and I would continue to give them feedback. And I think that's where a lot of people mess up. They don't start that feedback loop. They just expect people to do it right from the first try. And even the best VAs or freelancers in the world, they'll have different clients that all have different expectations that all want things done a different way. So you have to make it clear what you want and start that feedback loop. And then once they're comfortable with it and they're doing 60% of your emails, and you can apply this to Shopify customer service, by the way, it doesn't matter whether it's email, emails from my personal email or um, we did the same thing with my Amazon business. And then you start adding situations. Every time a new situation comes in, you show them how to, how to do it and you add it to the list and you create this this blacklist almost of, hey, if these people contact me or if this situation happens, you respond back that, hey, Nate will get back in two hours. And as they build up more trust, you give them more and more responsibility where now there, there's very few emails that, that they can't do.
0: That's so cool. I, I love the feedback loop line too, Um, just because so many times it's like, okay, here, go. But and you think about, okay, think about it to your first job ever. Uh, the first time you try to do it, you had no idea what you were doing, and then uh, over time, like your boss, your manager, your coworkers, slowly, slowly but surely, you mastered it and you became good at it. Um, and yeah, I think we have these expectations where it's like we're so good at it because we've been doing these things for so long that the other person is going to be just as good as us. Um, but that's not that's not true. Not at first. Um, eventually they'll be better because it's all they're focused on. But you gotta. I really like how you said like you gotta train the person. Really, you gotta just one step at a time because they can't just bite the whole, they, they can't just t- completely take over your email. They'll drown in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I like to divide up the, the types of people into three levels. So you've got the basic, the five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US. They can have years of experience, but they're there to follow your systems, your processes. The email person is a good example on Shopify, order fulfillment. They're, they're, they're followers. Then you got the mid-level, maybe that 10 to 30 range, US or non-US. They're the graph designers. They could be web developers, bookkeepers, um, content writers, You're not teaching someone how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're there to do projects at a high level, and they do the same thing 8 to 10 hours a day. And then you got the experts, so 25 and up. They have years of experience. They come in. They can consult. They can audit what you're doing. They can create a game plan. They can help create the systems and processes. That game plan might even include some mid- or or basic-level freelancers. And I see so many people just going wrong. Maybe they take a $5 an hour worker and they they say, hey, create a long-term game plan for my Shopify store, or they're hiring a mid-level person and they're trying to teach them what to do and follow the system and process. So just by really figuring out what you're looking for and defining that up front will save you a ton of hassle down the line by hiring the right type of person
0: right yeah and hiring specialized is huge too because you can't just hire somebody for five dollars an hour to manage your facebook ads to also design all of your graphics and do all your order fulfillment and your customer service emails like you can't just hire one person for that one of the biggest uh like things i've learned is i've been starting to bring on a team and hire more people is like specialization goes a long way like one person do design stuff one person do implementation stuff like as specific as possible like you increase your chances of success by like so much.
1: Absolutely. I had a situation where I, back when I was in college, I was pretty stressed out. I had a lot that I was balancing. So I hired one person and I spent six months just teaching them how to do everything, customer service, orders, dealing with manufacturers, all that. And I actually had this one manufacturer that I really liked and I focused all our time on that. 95% of our orders from that was from them. I didn't really bother expanding out. So I finally get the business to a good place. I'm 21 or I'm 20 and I'm, I'm making more money than I ever should. Uh, the business can run without me. The manufacturer is crushing it. I go on my first vacation in a while to Myrtle Beach. And on the first day of my vacation, the person quits on me and the manufacturer drops me. And then I also get a call from my accountant telling me that someone had filed a fake, t- fake tax return in my name for $40,000 and I was going to have to deal with that when I got back. So, I went from this unbelievable high to, hey, I have everything under control to let's just start over again. And the lesson from all that is you need to diversify your business. You need to diversify your revenue stream, your suppliers, but most importantly, your hiring because too many entrepreneurs, they fall into that trap where they make a bunch of bad hires and then they finally find someone they like. So what do they do? They just load them up with everything and they don't realize how much risk they're actually putting into their business.
0: Totally, yeah. And for me, like I'm on the agency side, so I work with Shopify stores. I uh, I do their email marketing for them, and something that has just been popping up over and over again, and I keep hearing is I see a lot of people make this mistake where, like, a lot of my competitors. And other people I know who who run agencies, they make the mistake of focusing on getting the client first. They just want to get more clients, get more clients, get more clients, instead of focusing on delighting the clients they already have. And it's the same with your team, because really, it's like you're hiring somebody. It's like you're, (laughs) it's the same thing. Um, And you can, yeah, hire that great person. But if you don't like nourish them, if you just crush them, they're just going to leave, jump ship and find somebody else who pays some more and they get to work less (laughs) or whatever.
1: Yeah, people don't understand the real cost of turnover. It can crush your business. It can cost you a ton of money. I mean, once you find someone you like and you get them to a good place, do everything possible to keep them around. That means asking them for feedback and ideas. That means checking in and making sure they're happy. That means paying them accordingly and giving them bonuses or increasing their rate over time. I mean, those things are important. And if you don't do that, it's going to lead to turnover and it can set your business back months. One more thing I forgot, share goals and and how the business is doing with them. People want to feel involved. They don't want to just be handed a project, send it back, get another project. They want to know what they're doing and How it's impacting the overall business, and they want to feel a part of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think it's easy for us to like want to be secretive and like hide our numbers, cover them up. But when you're transparent, like some of the most transparent companies are the ones that are growing the fastest now. When you look at different startups and companies that are just growing like crazy, it's like you know their revenue numbers, they're public, Um, not just internally. Like you don't have to share them with the world, but even if you just share them with your team, like that just creates so much more trust. And when you have trust, you get better less turnover better work done by them it's just everybody feels like they're working towards something bigger and it's just yeah that's huge
1: i could not agree more we're, we're beyond open i mean we posted on social media not to brag but it just has that feeling of community it, it's everyone it's everyone together as one whether they're partners clients freelancers on the platform my internal team we, we just know that that's what people care about they want to everyone wants to be part of something
0: nice yeah i love that and, and speaking of, okay, so we talked about like, all right, so what's possible with delegating? What are some things you might want to delegate? We went into some examples. Now, I run an e-commerce store and I want to get my time back. What's the best place to start delegating?
1: So what I like to do is create a list of everything that I do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And then I order it from easiest to hardest or from the things that I just don't like doing. Because I think I'm at the point of being an entrepreneur where what's the point of being an entrepreneur if you're doing things that you hate every single day? So I usually start prioritizing in that order, and then you chip away at it. And I think what a lot of people realize is, or don't realize, is I didn't just wake up one day and hire 30 people. I started off small. How do I get two hours back? How do I get five hours back? And I started adding people and adding people and adding people, and then I made the most of that time. So if I got five hours back, that five hours was focused on expansion. It made more money, which meant that I could hire more people, and you gradually increase from there.
0: That's so cool. I love that. And, and it's, it really is that easy. And it's scary, I think, if you've never brought somebody on, if you've never hired help um, to make the first step. But once you do, it's just going to open up like it's, it's hard to see it as an investment. It's easy to see it as an expense at first. Um, but once you have more time to focus on the things that actually drive the actual revenue in your business, that's when it just starts to take off. And you kind of get addicted to the high of bringing more people on to free up more of your time because you know with, with more people and more time, you can really take things to the next level.
1: Yeah, I mean, hiring people is the biggest hack to to get taking your business to the next level, hiring good people and surrounding yourself with talented people. Talented people make you look good. They make you a lot of money. Just like hiring bad people can mess up even the best idea, even the best business. So focusing on hiring should be the core of your business before you do anything else.
0: Yeah, and speaking of that, how do I make sure that I don't hire somebody bad? So
1: with FreeUp and quick about FreeUp, we get hundreds of applicants every week. We vet them. We take the top 1%. We let them in and we make them available to people quickly. And when we're vetting these people, we look for three things, skill, attitude, and communication. And that's because we were burned or I was burned a ton in the past because I only hired people for skill. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong. They find someone with five years of experience, happy clients or testimonials or resume, they say, boom, you're hired. And they don't focus on the attitude and the communication. For attitude, we look for people that are passionate about what they do, that care about the client or, or the projects they're working on. If, if I hate bookkeeping and I'm an entrepreneur and I do hate bookkeeping, if I hire a bookkeeper, they need to love bookkeeping as much as I love being an entrepreneur. Those are the type of people I want to be surrounded by. We've all worked with someone who's a cancer who has a bad attitude and and it quickly spreads and vice versa. If you find someone with a great attitude that's positive every day, that spreads as well. Now, with communication, we know how important that is. Even if someone's sitting right next to you, communication is important. Never mind the remote world we're in today where people are across the U.S. or across the world. We have 15 pages of communication best practices that people have to get have to memorize and get tested on before they get onto our platform. And those pages I wrote myself based on my past eight years of hiring experience and It's stuff like, hey, responding within a business day at all times, giving updates. If if your house is on fire, if you have an emergency, someone has to at least get a text message or be updated. You can't just disappear. Um, But then there's other stuff. I mean, obviously, they have to speak English at a high level. They have to be able to hit deadlines and communicate effectively up front, not down the line where it turns into a he said, she said, actually figuring out scopes of projects up front. But all that stuff is important. So when you get that perfect triangle of someone who's talented or at least is honest about what they can and cannot do, has the great attitude and has strong communication skills, that's when you make a good hire. It's when you only get two out of three or one out of three that you don't. I've yet to see someone where they're like, hey, I hired this guy. He was really talented. He had a great attitude. He had awesome communication, but it just didn't work out. That usually doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that three things. And I love how you simplified it down. Like, okay, these are the three things you need to look for. And it's not just experience. Because I think so many many times it's like, oh, that guy's resume is so good. He would be great on our team. But uh, that's not always true.
1: Yeah. And I guess the other factor is just whatever the culture of your business is. If if you're running a, a cutthroat culture, which is fine, there's a lot of really successful businesses that do that. You probably don't want to hire a warm and fuzzy person for your business. It's not You're not going to have a good experience. <laughs> so really just knowing yourself and the type of people that you like to work with and surround yourself with is equally as important.
0: I love it. And, and sometimes things happen. So let's say I make a bad hire. Like, what, what do I do next? I make a bad hire. It's my first hire. It's bad. What do I do? Like, do I fire them right away? Or do I try to help them? Like, what what's your... You've hired a bunch of people. You have a lot of experience with this. What do you recommend?
1: Yeah. So I look at it as an investment. If I haven't put time into someone yet, I'm very quick to let them go. We had someone back when I had an office where we fired someone after one day because it was for a sales job and he, he couldn't he couldn't handle phone calls. It was just clear. And that was 100% on us. We messed up the interview process and and we felt awful about it. But at the same time, what was going to happen if we just let let it carry on? Yes, there's a chance that he turns it around and he becomes this really great salesperson, but there's a much bigger percentage chance that it blows up and, and it not only hurts us in the business, but everyone else of the business the, that is counting on the business. So we're very quick to move on. Now, if we've already invested time and money into someone, that's when it gets difficult. And it really just depends on the situation and why it's going south. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll hire a second person if, if I see that someone used to be good and they're, now they're going downhill, and I'll just slowly start taking tasks off that person's plate. And one of two things is going to happen. Either that light bulb is going to go off and they're going to realize, hey, like I need to turn this around. Or eventually I, I have all their stuff off their plate anyway. And that person um, isn't as valuable as they were before. So there's different hacks like that that you can do. It really is situation by situation. And, and every business is in a different position. The, <laughs> the excuse is like, oh, I hate confrontation or I don't want to hurt his feelings or they're going to mess up my business in some way. I mean, as a business owner, you have to be able to get past that to make the right decision for your business.
0: Yeah. And I think that's great advice. That's awesome. And you talked about this a little bit um, like a few minutes ago. Um, but speaking of remote work, a lot of people, some people are afraid to delegate certain roles remotely. Um, they feel like somebody has to be sitting at a desk next to them. What, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you have a lot of them about remote work. You're a huge fan of it. What do you think?
1: I mean, we've grown free up from zero to a $10 million run rate within three years with no office, with only hiring freelancers on our platform, the same freelancers that are available to all of our clients. So I know it's possible. I know that you can do anything remote. I mean, unless you need a warehouse staff or a janitor or something that actually physically has to be there we live at a pretty incredible time where it can get done remotely. And I always see people posting on Facebook saying, oh, you shouldn't outsource that. And my response is I outsource that, or I at least know a client that does. So all of that is possible there's always going to be a risk. Even if you hire your best friend to sit right next to you, there's always a chance that they do something stupid or jeopardize your business in some way. There's nothing that I can do to make that risk zero. And it's also tough for me to comment on freelancers on other platforms. I, I can only speak for FreeUp. I mean, we get a thousand, over a thousand applicants a week. We take the top 1%. We create an environment where people want to be there. Once they're in, We bring clients to them, we support them, we build a great community. They care a lot more about making sure that you're happy and that they stay in the network than they do about jeopardizing your business in any way. And I mean, we've been doing this for three years, we've never had one issue. I'm sure if we bill enough hours, eventually something will happen, but the percentages are a lot lower than people think and you have to get over that fear as a business owner. Hiring is the only way forward. At some point, you hit a wall if you don't do it. And with the gig economy, if you're not taking advantage of the remote hiring world right now, you're really missing out.
0: Totally, totally. And I love that you're your own $10 million case study. That's awesome. And speaking of that, how big is your team now?
1: Um, so. I really follow pretty much everything I said before. The day-to-day operations are all outsourced to people in the Philippines. It's about 25 people. And then the mid-level and the specialists, the people who do our graphics, people who write for our blog, the the experts that run our Facebook ads, are all freelancers on the platform. So not really part of our team, but the people that we use, if you put it all together – 35 people-ish um, to help do everything that Free Up does. And a lot of those special all of those specialists and experts, they have other clients as well. So we live in kind of a cool time where you don't have to hire an expert for 40 hours a week for $150,000 a year. You can put them on a monthly fee or X amount of hours a week and really use that to expand your business and reinvest that other money elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, do you have any tips for managing a remote team?
1: over-communicate and really make sure stuff is clear up front and do everything in writing. Um, one thing people quickly notice about me is I rarely I rarely meet with people on my team outside of Skype chats or email chats because I like to keep everything in writing. And if we do have a phone call, the first thing I do after the phone call is I, I write out, hey, this is what we talked about. Like, Please confirm we're on the same page. So there, there's just no reason for anyone to have any miscommunication at all. And I really set that tone across the board. So now, that's really the key. Because if I, if I had a meeting every week with 10 people in different countries on the phone, stuff's going to get lost. It's going to cut out at some point. Like People are going to miss small details here and there. When you keep it in writing and you keep it black and white and everything up front and make sure people agree and, and give people a chance to back out or speak off the, if they don't understand, um, that's how you have the most success when you're dealing with a remote team.
0: Nice. And speaking of like culture and remote teams, are are there any way that you, you like get people involved in more than just like work or talk about other things or like keep things fun and friendly like you would in like a typical office environment?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we always try to have fun when we're working. We actually took a trip out to the Philippines earlier this year. It was my first time there. Um, we took our internal team out to get great food and massages and we rented out a Airbnb for a week. It, it was really cool. So you can still have that, that kind of fun chemistry when you're working remote, but I mean, you can't do any of that unless you have people on the same page and the communication strong. All that stuff is easy to add after the fact, but at first you need to figure out how do I get all these people at the same page at all times?
0: Yeah. And I think it's easy to get caught up in And like, oh, how am I going to do this, 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 this? Like, how am I going to organize a company retreat? Well, it's like you don't need that for another like three years. Uh, Like, you're fine. First things first, nail communication. Hire the right people. Get the right people. Get them trained. Get them up to speed. Then you can worry about that later. Like, focus on what really matters now, which is, yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. For
1: sure. What we did is we said, hey, when we hit 5,000 build hours, Connor Connor and I are coming to the Philippines. Boom. Everyone was motivated and we, we hit it pretty quick and we honored our word and we, and we headed out there.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. And that's fun too. Uh, that's great. Well, hey man, you've shared so much great advice about hiring, delegating, outsourcing, all, a bunch of great tips. As we wrap up here, if someone is experiencing these pains that you mentioned, what should they do next?
1: Yeah, well, I want to help. If you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top of the website. You can book a call with me. I'd love to help. You can create a free client account. There's no sign-up fee, no monthly fee, no minimums, no obligation. It's in our best interest to get you people you like. Mention this podcast, get a free $25 credit to try us out, no obligation. Um, And and we have 24-7 support on the back end, and we even have a no turnover guarantee. If they quit for any reason – we cover all replacement costs, so you can sleep easier at night. You get access to talent quickly, and me and my team are there here to help.
0: That's awesome. So I'll link that up uh, in the show notes below. So yeah, go take advantage of that free twenty five dollar credit.
1: Awesome. I really appreciate you having me. I had a lot of fun. I always love talking about hiring.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so much fun. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Nate. Thanks for having me. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better you're not generating enough email revenue, and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak Method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. So let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store. And they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You, you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how, or, or, <laughs> what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge and it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Waybreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible and we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop.